Hello, welcome to 360 Yourself, the podcast show centered around self-awareness and improvement. I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. So, a little bit of information of how the podcast came about. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, and not enough self-care. In the hospital, lying there with my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire way of life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body just gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a bit of a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself, reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from, why do we have triggers? Why do we have egos? What is manifesting and what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast because I've always been interested about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds about how they understand themselves and how they utilize their knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 p.m. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, and ethos to fully understand how each of their minds work. How can we become more of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? If you do enjoy the episodes that you're listening to, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to let us know what you like and how you're learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. Hey, my lovely. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Jamie. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, first of all, I want to say um, anyone who's listening, well, you can't really see this, but you've got the most amazing picture behind you. It's like, I don't know what, I don't know who it is, but it's this kind of really big close up of someone's face with some beautiful eyes and lips. I don't know who it is and who's the photographer. She is wildly chic. I'm I'm staying in a hotel right now in New York, so I I give all credit to the edition for their for their taste. But oh you're right, I'm, I'm very much enjoying her aesthetic. Behind it's me. great. I thought I thought it was yours. I mean, the edition I've stayed in it many many times in uh, Los Angeles and also in New York. Beautiful, beautiful hotel. Just to let everyone know. We are not promoting addition to hotel or like travel PRs. <laughs> I always say this when I'm promoting something, people think people email me going, Oh, did like they pay you? No, 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 no. I just like addition hotel. Um, but <laughs> and simply has great artwork. Fantastic yeah, 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 for sure. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. It's great. Um, you've got some amazing things coming up. So I'm really excited to delve into that. Um, and so but the first thing that I always love to ask my guests is. Who are you? Where have you come from? What has brought you to this point in your life? Yeah, it's a very sweet way to start. So I'm Karina Manishal. Um, I am uh, partnered up with Kid Caddy, who is my producing partner in our company, Mad Solar. Where I came from and how I got here, I'm from Los Angeles. I'm three quarters Iraqi, a quarter Iranian, fully Jewish, first generation American, which as a sandwich, I feel defines so much of the origin of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the kind of Hollywood story was incredibly typical. I went to film school, I uh, started in the mailroom at WME after that and became a talent agent over there. Yeah. And represented Kid Cudi, formed this company together and then and now I run it. So so, so but for but, anyone who doesn't but, know who Kid Cudi is, I mean if yeah. you don't know, this is crazy. But he's <laughs> a, a actor and award-winning record artist. I mean, crazy, crazy. Um, but it's also I love this whole LA sort of story that anyone that you I mean, anyone who's ever been to Los Angeles or 
around this area and you meet someone who's being in the entertainment industry they always generally say I started in the mail room which yes. is very very <laughs> different to like New York or London where they either like they go off on their own and they, they start from scratch but a lot of people start in the mail room and, they, yes. and I've had some horrible stories of people working <laughs> in the mail room with back in the 80s or 90s where it was a very different era. No no it, the mail room is definitely a step one and and I do remember distinctly, granted, my parents were incredibly supportive, but I remember going to my dad and he would giggle and tell people, oh, yeah, my daughter posts all of this uh, school and all of this education. She is going to start at the mailroom and she's going to deliver mail. And it was one of his little mischievous joys to get to uh, tease me over that. But it really it really is a an entry level step into this business. And the reason why I ended up starting there to, to give credit to where it, where the source was, is that I had a professor when I was at Chapman in film school uh, named Harry Eflin, who was a longtime agent out of the William Morris office in New York and had mm -hmm. incredible, I mean, it was the quintessential, that vibe you would expect paying Martin Scorsese's cab fare to come to the office after he saw his student film and like that kind of, wow. you know, gusto I mean, that's vibe. hardcore. Yeah, yeah one of the OGs. And, uh, and when I was in school, and I was explaining, I'd been interning at production companies, I really like corporate, but I felt like I wanted something broader just to understand the scope of what the business is. He was the first person who said you have to go to the mailroom. It's the only the only kind of graduate school or place to start. And for mm. me, it really proved to be that. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So, what what I mean, people who don't know? I mean, we we spoke mm -hmm. on on the uh, on this subject uh, with a bunch of other people on the on the podcast, but just yeah. give us what is what is the mailroom like? What do you do in the yeah. mailroom? Yeah, so the agencies have it structured differently within WME. You basically come in and you're in the mailroom slash floating. So when you're in the mailroom, you are deliberately pushing a mail card and delivering mail to the desks of the different agents around the building, sorting mail downstairs and running any errands. And, you know, you're just constantly available to, yeah. to task. Um, in the meantime, though, anytime an assistant is off a desk for an hour, a month, a week, a day, whatever it is, they need a temp assistant to come in. So the people from the mailroom float, quote unquote, and they actually become the temp assistants uh, for these wow. variety of desks. What's really great about that is that you get exposure to all of these different sides of the business from the, the lit side to the talent side to music to consider the gambit of the different places that you could be sitting inside of. And then as desks permanently become open, the mailroom is a source of people who interview. So your next step right. is getting a desk, working for an agent, often working for another, becoming a coordinator, getting promoted and, you know, starting starting your life as an individual. Yeah, I, I can imagine like this is, this is my imagination, Ron Wild, but I can imagine like this right, really savvy, overconfident, like mailroom person <laughs> floating at someone's office and then picks up the phone, goes, no, Quinton Tarantino was 20 million, nothing more. <laughs> Boom, and then puts the phone down and he goes and then someone over here goes, you're fired. <laughs> That's that's the end of your story. Yeah. <laughs> there there are there are some juicy, juicy moments that come out of it. I will say one of the best things about the mailroom though is that you're put in with a class. So there's a group that starts at the same time. And those become everybody ends up doing something different. Some stay in the business, some stay the agency, some leave the business. But those are you're kind of your mm. kind of your like heart and soul first, you know. Uh, I guess for first stage of adulthood friends as you're coming up in the business, which is a really nice situation to have. Yeah. And so and so how did that sort of 
relationship grow with kid then and then for you to yeah. go off and go because I've had a lot of friends who've who's worked with like um, their producers and their directors and they've gone off and then done their yeah. own thing what yeah. particularly made it like a oh, kid and then go you know what we should be doing our own thing yeah well first I'll invite you to call him Scott because he would tell you the same thing so feel feel free to embrace embrace that uh, his 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 government name as he says um, but how it happened was a little bit unique. Scott was already a client of the agency and uh, within the, he was with the, the music department and was open to having a new talent agent. And I reached out, raised my hand and said, this is something I wanted to do. And it was really interesting because at that point, nobody at WME had his phone number. And with artists, it's like a very, you know, you talk to the manager in order to get to the artists and music at that point for a lot of them. But what ended up happening is that we started this rapport via the projects I was bringing in. And it was, we started working together October, 2016. And it was right before he uh, submitted himself to rehab for depression. And I feel like Scott came out of that in this moment, like ready for happiness and in such a centered place and in such an inspired place. And I was at this point where I was starting my career and looking for the person that I could build with. And he and I just found each other in that moment. Mm. So quickly after that, it was, you know, here's his number. And, you know, we, he and I, I swear to you, since then, we've spoken almost every single day. And Scott is incredibly unique in a lot of different respects. But one was that he was, he would always invite me in on the creative. It wasn't, you know, with a lot of how agencies are treated, you do the talent, this person is a lit and there's it's, everything is uh, structured by department and a single person responds to the the needs of a, a piece of talent mm. scott and i just really did it all together so in building intergalactic that was an idea he brought to me and his first script he shared with me and we i was really i was he i suppose the best way to say it is that he really opened the doors to me as to what is possible outside of this building or what are the things that what are the things that i really want to be doing that that make me feel completely fulfilled and he was the entry point to all of it so I give him immense amounts of credit in all of the all of the steps that I've taken because he was the one who generated and then invited me to share in that with him and to really ideate with him and be a part of that interesting it's interesting yeah. how, how, isn't it like that you just meet someone at the right moment in time yeah. but also like I spoke to another friend of mine who uh, has done very very well and very successful in the web three space doing NFTs, et cetera. But he said 10 years ago, he just hit rock bottom. He was homeless. He was just figuring out, trying to find clarity. And sometimes you need to go, I mean, with Scott, he obviously needed to go to that place to really just shed everything, find what it is he's doing and find clarity. Because I think a lot of us are just wanting to find clarity, but we're so clouded with like running and just doing stuff rather than go, what do I really want to be doing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. And what's, you know, it's interesting, because I know Scott on the other side, mostly I, I, you know, we, it was a very small teeter. So my experience with him has been just bliss. He's been, I can't even tell you how creative this man is, how, what a hard worker he is, how inspired he is, how big his smile is, how electrifying it is. It is there. He's like a, he's, I, I call him the North Star uh, he also refers, tells me that he's my Pikachu. Cause it's like, anytime I need to send a Pokemon out, it's like, I throw Pikachu. It's always Scott. That was my, I my love that. Move from 
right? He's my, he's my little Pikachu. Um, so the, the, yeah, the, the kind of sparkle that I've been able to experience and understanding that there was obviously a darker place that preceded it. I'm just so happy for him and so happy that, gosh, he just feels untouchable. It's mm. really, it's really a beautiful thing. Mm. It's amazing when you meet those sort of people, though, because there's there's an energy shift in the space when they when they enter and when they look at you and smile. Because I have a few people in my space who are very, who are very successful, and it's just they have a certain energy or the way that they see things and just that they shift energy in the space when they move. It's very odd. You, I can't explain it. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you're right. It's just inherent in him. Mm. It really it really is a magnet. And then what's beautiful about it is that there's a couple of things that I just to kind of speak to, to talent representation and all of it, but there was something that I realized very early with Scott that felt indicative of a lot of musicians that I started to, started to, you know, be in the ether of. And I realized that with a musician or certainly in this space, they're often at the center of a fist and closed around him is this circle of trust. And no matter what, this cannot be broken. These are the people who mean more than anything in the world and anybody trying to infiltrate is bouncing off the edges but if you get embraced into the circle of trust there's a level of commitment and uh, accountability and honesty and partnership and camaraderie that i've never experienced with any other an artist in any other space there's and maybe it comes to the fact that and with scott especially being one of the first artists who shifted hip-hop from glitz glam gold to honest vulnerability that maybe that authenticity that being so part of your dna has been inherent in what that circle looks like mm. but i do think there's there's relationships there that i just i just haven't seen elsewhere mm. it's very unique to a musician yeah but it's it, it's interesting that isn't it when you find that person that, that speaks your language mm-hmm. um because i think sometimes it you can be in just sort of a business business relationship and you don't really get to know really yeah. know the person um and you think you know the person but you don't really know the person and so when you find those those people in your life you really have to hold on to them if they if they are business or they're personal yeah yeah it's true it's and very so, true and also, like, so the the name Mad Solar is that yeah. the correct? I'm saying it, and it's yeah. got backing from Braun, um, yes. uh, which is a big uh, uh, film uh, production studio. Yeah. Um, how did the name come about? I'm always fascinated with names. Yeah. How did um, names come about? Like, I've heard that like, left-handed, and there's always really interesting yeah. like production names. But how did yeah? How did you come up with it? This is Scott's genius. He's a wordsmith when it comes to names. He Mad Solar came out of uh, a song. I think he said it was from 2013, if I remember exactly right. Um, so it came out of that. And that was a little bit of, you know, being bigger than what the expectation is and being a little bit more out there. So it was very kind of, you know, intergalactic, sonic, like how big can this thing be? And that was Mad Solar. Very Scott. Love it. I love it. And so with the, the company Mad Solar, you have an upcoming mm-hmm. uh, Netflix animated series called Intergalactic. Yes. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Intergalactic. Intergalactic. Yeah. Intergalactic. <laughs> so um, I watched it. I was saying before the podcast, um, I watched it and the graphics. Wow. Oh, wow. The graphics are amazing. Also, and also the original music is by uh, Scott as well. Yeah. Um, so tell me, you were saying beforehand, like the who the graphics is done by, because I think yeah. I don't think we 
we usually talk about like the the production, the writing, and then mm-hmm. the music. But sometimes the people who are behind the the scenes, who are actually designing it and everything, don't get sometimes the credit. And I'm like, like the graphics is incredible with this. Oh, that's that. I can't even tell you how happy that makes us. And this the the genius behind the art is our animation director. His name is Fletch Moles. Uh, he's from Australia. He's an extraordinary, extraordinarily talented. And I remember, I mean, he came onto the project early and I even remember the first slideshow he put together when we were all sitting in the writer's room, which at that point was East West Studios. We were sitting in the studio together and down to the kind of artwork and the culture and the cool of how he saw the show, even down to a mock title for Intergalactic, which ended up being the final one that we were using from that, at least in the lettering from his original, his original concept. He was, he was the the heart and soul behind it. Um, I'll tell you too, something that was really unique in our process of animation, which is credit to Fletch too, is that each of each frame was hand-drawn. So he was explaining to us that traditionally in Pixar or 3D animation, you start with an arm in one space and then you draw the arm in the final space and then the computer generates the move, which is why it's so smooth uh, and seamless. But for us, in order to create the warmth, uh, the color skates, the, the kind of correction by imperfections, each frame was hand-drawn. So each frame ended up being a choice by an artist. And in our situation, collectively over 300 artists all over uh, all over the world because COVID split everybody up too. So it was a really, a really interesting process. How long did it take to like draw everything into then get yeah. into coloring, et cetera? So the process from start to finish was three years from the moment that we were pitching the show into us now being at the moment for it to release. So it was it was definitely a long process. Uh, One of the jokes throughout the the, throughout the show was how many kids can Karina have and the total was two. So we (laughs) we've definitely taken our time, our time in putting Intergalactic out there. But to speak to the source of this, because it is very unique, this actually started with the music. So Scott had written three songs and then had an idea for this album Intergalactic and in its early origin was thinking about this being an anthology series all stemming from a theme like love. Uh, in, in meeting Kenya Barris and talking to him about it, Kenya spoke to Netflix and came back and said they, what they really want is animation. So Scott had had this one animated episode that he extended into a full story. So what was really unique is that because the music led, he was storytelling while he was writing the music and acknowledging what are the specific beats throughout the story, story that needs to be that needs to be accounted for in the music. Mm-hmm. And then what it turned into were these sessions at East West with Ian Adelman and Maurice Williams, who showrun and write with a giant whiteboard as they're figuring out all the beats, which song plays where everything that needs to happen over the six parts of the show. And, uh, and from there, they went off to write. So it was, you know, for Scott being somebody who had generally created music and how the system works is you create an album, you get two music videos, and then you move on to the next to have this opportunity to have a full narrative story that's led into by an original album was incredibly unique. Yeah, I, it's interesting how 
I wonder if this process will be taken by other artists as well who create music and then go, there probably must be another medium. Because I I always believe that if you create something, it doesn't necessarily need to be created in the way that it's intended to be created. It can sometimes come out and go, actually, this is better as a film, a podcast, a web series or whatever it is. And so I think maybe hopefully this opens up doors for other artists to go, you know what, there's other routes for it just to not just be in a music video. That would be that would be the hope is that this this creates a new a new medium for marrying visuals and sound. This can be a new type of storytelling. What what the kind of the crux is, or I guess the 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 yeah the thing you have to be you have to contend with though is he had to hold an album for three years in order for it to launch alongside release of projects. So there is a degree of patience that has to come with the art for for this type of storytelling. But I do think our hope is is that the fans are going to be so are just going to embrace to this idea of experiencing both together. That you watch the show and it feeds the music, and you listen to the music and it feeds the show, and you're having this uniform visual sonic experience. Mm. And I, I think one of the main themes that I really love about it is, which is so relatable to a lot of people, is like discovering love. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think, I think everyone can relate to that as well by understanding how to love. And I think there's one kind of like quote in it about love yeah. it should be easy, but then to get commi- sort of like getting commitment of love takes an action. And yeah. I kind of like that. Like you can easily f- like find love, but actually have it to longevity, you need to make an action to make it yeah. happen, which you I quite like about that. Yeah, yeah, that it's amazing you picked up on that line too. That was one of my favorite of the show uh, because I do feel like that's our thesis of intergalactic. And I think there's a lot of things that feel very new about it, but what is familiar is the fact that it's a love story. And even inherent in that, there are things that feel fresh. It's a black love story. It's a modern love story. Um, it's it, Afrofuturistic. There's a lot of different ways that we can describe it, but at its heart, it's boy meets girl. And are they going to be together and you as an audience are rooting for them? And the n- sort of nostalgic quality that that has for you when you just are experiencing love when also there's not a lot of a lot of love stories that are coming out of the U.S. right now I mean it tends to be you've got to watch a Korean drama if you want to see a new version of a love story at this moment we're really excited that there's an opportunity to reinvest in in romance Mm, so I think because there's so much going on in the world at this moment in time and for me there feels like loads of like Mm -hmm. cooking shows there's loads of <laughs> content about cooking and food, which I, watch which, which I also watch as well. There's there's one, is it Stan, Stanley Tutti, Tusi, the, the actor, the guy yeah, with the, yeah, bold, yeah, the bold yeah. head guy with the glasses. Yeah. He did the whole, I think he won like an Emmy or was nominated for an Emmy for his food cooking show in Italy. I think he did it around Italy. And I looked, I watched that and I was like, every time I watched an episode, I had to make sure that I had lots of food in front of me because I was He's like, so it made smart. me so hungry. <laughs> No, you're so smart. That's a that's a good system. That I'm the is. one who who my husband actually makes fun of me. So I'll watch cooking shows and he's like, Oh, so are you gonna learn how to cook? Is this like an inspiration? Or because he he's the he's the master chef of our house. So do you do you cook, do you cook though? Or do you are you more like a, I'm just a, I'm an eater? Like No, I, I I make eggs and vegetables and I did home make my baby food. That was my that was about as culinary expertise as I got, but it's Stuart does everything oh, so do you have how, how many how many children do you have do you want one child two two, two, two three-year-old and a one-year-old 
world. Yeah. Did, did you learn how to cook for them or did you just like go like their, the process sort of stuff? And their then you baby blend it all food up? I, I made. I was proud of that. I did homemake their baby food. But other than that, it's been Stuart. He, he oh, gets amazing. All- and so, and something I, something I love to ask, sort of ask you as well. Like I've asked a lot mm-hmm. of other um, people this, and um, we had um, on someone recently who just won won an Emmy for his uh, direction mm-hmm. for Adele, and he was on the podcast. And we were talking about the idea of like balance and family. How mm-hmm. did you find having going through your career, having children, and balancing like mm-hmm. a, a loving, healthy relationship, as well as like mm-hmm. striving? And going through sort of like the industry, because Hollywood and, and LA and filmmaking in the process is a lot of work. How did yeah. you find that balance? Yeah, I, I suppose I was fortunate in timing because, you know, corporate uh, side of being at an agency requires a lot more specificity with your time to the department meetings and all of the requirements of the job. And not long after Jordana was born, we were, I was leaving to, to do mad solar and that became a very different a different shape it was covid was happening everybody was working from home the day became dictated by us um scott is also such a family man and loves the inclusion of family which also felt like gave me a feeling like my kids were allowed to be a part of my work which was mm. really unique um and you know i, I think all of those circumstances allowed for an easy balance. Um, My husband also works in the business. So there's a lot of understanding between the two of us of when to pick up for one another. I I, I suppose we're very fortunate that the groove became very natural for the two of us. And and it's definitely a partnership, but it just seems like, it just seems like family is a part of the fabric right now, or at least that's how it's been for me. Yeah, it feels like a, sh- a shift since after COVID that family yeah. has become more cooperated with working environments and yeah. bring your daughter or son or whoever to work day or whatever, or having your screaming child in the back because they want whatever <laughs> is some food or whatever. What and that's can you totally, do? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But I love that, that there's something so wholesome because there was such a taboo for, for a long yeah. time that you didn't want like your child like in the screen or whatever it is. And and nowadays it's like, okay, cool. And because every, everyone has a child. Well, most people have children, right? Yeah. And so we all, there's a, such a relatability, right? When, you're, yeah. when you need to like put your uh, uh, your baby to bed or whatever, whatever. And it's so lovely that there's an openness there. And especially with more entrepreneurs and CEOs being more uh, open to that as well. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. It, it also, I get excited when I see the kids on the Zoom. They just, oh, it just shows the humanity of the person that you're talking to. You feel like you get a colored sense of who they are, and it, it, there is, yeah, the the feeling of we're all in this together. We're all experiencing something similar. I I would love I would love Netflix to do a document to do documentary on CEOs or people who own businesses on their balance yeah. life with their family. I'd love to watch that. That would be so fascinating, fascinating. People, how they navigate their time. Yeah, yeah. It's true because it, even when you see, you know, the CEO version of talking through how they get through their day, they rarely mention where the family squeezes in. It's yeah. just, this is how a workday is structured. You're right. It would be super interesting. Yeah. And so w- with sort of that, the idea of that sort of work-life balance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've obviously going to, this is obviously going to do very, very well. And a lot of people are going to love the animated <laughs> series. Um, what else are you working on? What, what, what else are you, fa- what kind of stories do you want to be telling? Um, yeah. At M- Matt Sola? 
That's a, that's a great question. You know, starting this company with Scott was a little bit unique because depending on the talent that you're partnered with, it could be a lot of outside bringing in of writers with ideas externally that you're developing, or it could be inside going out where you've got an, somebody with ideas at the center and you're building out their structure. Mm-hmm. So Scott is very much call me and he's like, Karina, let's start writing. And within a week we write a script and it gets set. And we're in a situation with that on, on a TV series that he wrote right now. And it's absurd when you think about it in, in, in those parameters, but What's been really interesting about Scott is that there's been a real range in terms of genres, uh, mediums, and, and interests. So in the same breath that we'd be talking about film and TV or you know, video games, comic books, uh, uh, literature, like novels, I mean, all of these things become, become available because of you know, Scott's interests and how he ideates and what he's come up with. And I think in terms of the projects that we've brought in as well and if we try to figure out what's the through line of mad solar like well, what is the kind of thesis between all of these because it's medium agnostic genre agnostic all of the subjects that are you know uh, experience the gambit so what's the through line and you're going to laugh at me when i say this because it sounds incredibly obvious but it feels like the thing that's synonymous through all of them is they all address the question of why are you telling this today which mm-hmm. every producer should be like, well, yeah, you should be asking yourself why you're telling the story today, otherwise you're telling the story. But for us, that felt really synchronistic with who Scott is as an artist, which is speaking to my truth in this moment, because if one person hears it and connects and they're no longer alone, and we feel like if we can bring that kind of energy into what our projects are on the Matt Solar side, we're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the idea of like, Tap, really tapping into kind of what it is to be human yeah. and I talk and I talk to I, I talk a lot about this with my friends as well like the extremities of the things that we deem important right the mm-hmm. things that we're like oh I'm chasing this or this is what I need to be doing or this is the next promotion that I that I uh, I'm going into but like yesterday for instance NASA mm-hmm. hit um a, a asteroid out of place by whatever it is to circle around so that it wouldn't hit the earth and so then you, th- then you think about like the things that you want in your life and the mm-hmm. things that are very like selfish led but that the things that are actually important that actually nasa is moving asteroids <laughs> out its way and the asteroid one of these asteroids could have been the one that eliminated yeah. dinosaurs right and yeah. so we think about and if, if we actually take a moment to like zoom out zoom out zoom out of the actual yeah. stories and the relationships and things are actually really important and the things that actually mean something, then I think we'll slightly have a bit of more of a kind of like a rooted, grounded um, society where we're yeah. much more tapped with each other and what's going around us rather than sort of the superficial things going on. Oh, you're so right. I, I do feel like the more macro we get, the more centered we are. It's just, it's a relief. When you, when you consider all the things that you don't have control over to then be grateful for the things that you do have control over. Yeah. And it's all, it's always about the story. It's always about like, what are we telling story-wise and who, and also like, who's going to be listening? Is it? And also I I always think about like, is this the right moment to tell this story? Like, is it, is it going to be received in the way that needs to be received now? Or is it maybe in a year's time where there's less noise and people a bit more, open to these type of stories mm-hmm. or this type of concept i think that's a big big because i always think of like squid games i always reference squid games yeah. I'm like, would it have worked 10 years ago 
I mean, no one really knows, but like yeah. it just sort of happened that it happened after everything happened and then people were more open to it and it did ridiculously well. And I think they're obviously doing Squid Games too, but I just think like a lot of time, potentially it's about is the audience in the right headspace for this concept or this idea or this, this, yeah. um, this conversation. And I love, I love this Squid Game point too, because it's also, it's this idea that nobody knows better than the audience, right? Yeah. You could, because you could project that this has all the right things. This feels like exactly the movie. This is all the stars. Everything looks like this is going to be the thing that succeeds. But the expectation that the show out of Korea would come onto the, onto the platform and become the phenomena that it came, there's just no prediction that something could work in that sense. Mm. So it really is, you know, there is this feeling of uncontrollability in our, in our deliberate process. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Mm. Big Squid fan too. I mean, I'm a massive Squid Game just- fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So has, so question has the animated mm-hmm. series dropped yet is it can we watch so, it on netflix yet september 30th so from our conversation we're minutes away um we actually i'm, I'm in new york right now because we have our premiere tomorrow so that's brilliant going to be the first larger eyes on it and then september 30th both the album and the series drop drop at the same time amazing i love that yeah. so we, we're only like three days away from this being yeah. recorded that is actually getting released i can't wait to yeah. wa- i can't wait to watch it i can't wait to watch it oh, it's gonna be amazing you know what you think uh, yeah I'll, I'll send you a message how many so how many episodes is it yeah so it's it's six parts and what was really un- uh, really unique in addition to the uniqueness but one of the unique things about the process too was that we sold it as a series and we had constructed it all to be a show. And as we were coming up with these six parts, what ended up happening is that they, they were all uh, synced. There was nothing episodic about them. So actually the six parts run at 90 minutes and it watches like a movie. So Netflix actually built new technology for their platform for Intergalactic, which basically all a movie, you have the play tab uh, instead of seeing the episode breaks. And within the timeline, you'll be able to chapter skip because the the goal is actually that would sit down for the 90 minutes and watch it start to finish like they would have filmed. That's so clever. I didn't, I didn't know this. That's great. New information. Everybody will experience well, hope, yeah. hope, hopefully, because yeah, you do you do watch like an episode, and then after twenty two minutes or however long, you then go, okay, now I got to go. Now, now I know actively, I'm going into a next episode. But if you it was probably like just yeah. continuous, and you and you sort yeah. of subconsciously know it was a new episode, but you don't feel it's a new episode, it would be a very different experience. A very different experience, and I think because the average length of each episode is fifty minutes, when you consider ninety over six, mm-hmm. I. The, the idea of pause in between when the story continues from the moment that happened before just felt like there was an opportunity to lose people versus having the kind of fluid experience of watching it start to finish without mm. those without the uh, without those breaks in between. Brilliant. So it's no, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully audiences really appreciate that too. I, I hope that people really sit through and enjoy it in one sitting. It'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a master of uh, consuming content. I love TV series. <laughs> I love films. I watch, co- I watch things all the time. So I can't wait for it. It'd be on my uh, recommended and like, the, you know, like the <laughs> things like 
it when it when it's out i think the button where he's, it tells you it's like a sort of an alarm clock thing tells yeah, you when it's out yeah. i'm gonna be pressing that let's the literally after this, yeah the remind <laughs> me thing literally after this is interview so oh. as as we're coming to the end of the of the episode what i always love to do with um, my guests is ask the give back so we ask our guests um what would you give back one to your younger self or two to someone in the audience that has inspired you it could be a book painting person podcast mantra quote whatever it is what would you give back what would i give back oh goodness um, so many things so many things yeah you know gosh you know i suppose the thing i would give back you know i, I just go straight to family which i guess is a little bit hyper personal but the thing that i i, I suppose that me just in my life, my biggest blessing, and it's the thing I'm always most grateful for is my family. It's, it's a hundred percent who I am. I've always felt, even since I was a kid that I didn't need a friend in the world because I had my family around me. And I suppose if I was to give anything back, it would just be appreciation of that. And mm-hmm. a hope that others can experience the level of just uplift and ease and ease of thought and lacks of you know, just the, there's a freedom that comes when you feel like people really support you. For me, it's family. It doesn't have to be family. And I suppose my give back would be this hope that, that, that sense of support that makes you stronger in your own two feet is something that everybody can find. Yeah. Everyone needs support, whether it is from your dog or your best friend, (laughs) your family, your sister, your brother, whoever it is, we all need that support. And I've heard a lot of people that say that even if like everything went away, like I lost my job or not, as long as I have my family, I'll be okay. And I think that's 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 or your partner, whoever it is, I think it's it's important to have those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that. that No, I love it. Very wholesome. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. You have been 360. Thank you very much. Oh, gosh, no, I'm so I'm so grateful to you for taking the time and I so enjoyed this conversation. So thank you for inviting me and spending this time with me. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our astonishing episodes released every Sunday, 12 p.m. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal on Instagram at Jamie Neal JN. And once again, thank you for listening and remember to 360 yourself.